3: I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire.
2: If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
3: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. I know everyone is not hungry. When you feast at Thanksgiving, like all you want to do is just sit back, On the couch, you got some football going, and then of course you got the NFL Explained podcast.
2: Yes, you got the NFL Explained podcast, and we call that that itis, Mike. You know, when you you fall asleep, that's that itis. Yeah,
4: you you can feel the food (laughs) coma in a big way. Yes, it is NFL Explained. Yes, he is the Super Bowl champ, Michael Robinson. Mike, am with you. This is the episode all about facts. You realize that, right? Absolutely. Like we, that's the reality that we live in. Facts. Facts. We are bringing the heat. I have been talking about this. All season long, yo DM us, send your questions. Mailbag episode, as promised. Yes, we are delivering. We're on, delivering on it. this. I often said this. I get excited. In fact, there's one question coming up in a little bit where I said, "Man, that's a good question because that affects me mm-hmm. on Sundays." So I was like, "We're going to be talking about it." So you ready to rock and roll? Let's you want get just it. dive deep into this stuff? All right, I'm going to start off with this one for this mailbag episode. What do punters do? during practice when i was a kid i thought they just punted all practice but now i realize your leg isn't capable of doing that all day every day so what do they do all day
2: that's a really good question um honestly i never really thought about what punters do but they punt obviously in most nfl practices wednesdays are the first days that we're on the field that's your base personnel day and in the teams that i was on wednesdays was punt day Right, So special teams will go out there first. The punter will be out there first. Then the punt team will go out. Then the rest of the team will go out. Then we start practice. And in the middle of practice, we would have another punt period. So Wednesdays would be the punt time where he would go punt. Fridays would also be a big-time punt time. So Wednesdays would be kind of punt and kickoff. Thursdays would be punt return and kickoff return. And then Fridays we would do kind of all of them. So he would punt on those two days. But during the rest of the days of the week, if – I would always see, like, the quarterbacks because the quarterbacks always just need bodies, right, because they're throwing the football to a lot of people. And during individual drills, oftentimes the quarterback coach will grab the punter or the kicker or somebody, get those guys to stand out there and kind of be play soldiers so the quarterbacks have targets. And then during a show team, show team is when you have your practice squad guys and extra players practicing as if they were your opponent that week, oftentimes you'll get a punter or, or, or a kicker who, when we need extra bodies to come over and help run the scouting.
4: All right, so I know totally different here, but as we're getting this question about punters, I was on my phone because I'm like, oh, I got to show you this video <laughs> uh-huh. because it's a little different here. And it's a pregame deal. Justin Tucker, who, by the way, was a guest on this podcast last season and sort of talked us through the science of a field goal in uh, pregame kicked an 87 yarder are you kidding yeah me? so I know once again a little different but I started thinking about what kickers are doing during practice as well like and, and I'm oh wondering if like goodness. the cadence is the same by the way when Justin Tucker buries an 87 yard field goal oh my now granted goodness. it was in it was in New Orleans it was before their Monday night game so Off it's inside team. the dome but still nonetheless man like that's still pretty crazy can you mention what a kickers practice routine is like
2: um like kick, just keep going back 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 back. Oh man, kickers practice routine. Yeah, they, I I I'm I'm assuming they kick a bunch of they kick a bunch of field goals. <laughs> yes, yams. <laughs> uh but again, but just like to the punters question, those guys can't kick every single day. Yeah. It's just like quarterbacks, like they can't sit there and throw with the intensity every single day. So you do have to manage those guys, but at the end of the day, I I used to get on my kickers all the time when you only kick all day during the game, you better make them all on Sunday. Yeah. Okay? Make them all on Sunday.
4: Just get it done. And by the way, <laughs> Justin Tucker, goat. I don't that's know if there's is. another player. I was thinking about this the other day. Is there another player that's better than he is at his position? Like, the answer's no.
2: No, I man. Maybe Josh Allen. No, I ain't going to go. I, go I mean, think about that, like, field. if you start throwing <laughs>
4: quarterbacks out there, like, at least it's debatable, right? Like, if yeah. you say Josh Allen, be like, all right, I'll take Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick you know, Mahomes, like, yeah. You know, you can have those debates. Like, on the kicker side... I say Justin Tucker, and it kind of ends there. There is nobody else. Yeah, it's, There it's, is nobody else. It's kind of wild. Um, got another question for you. And this okay. one, to me, this is what I was referring to, where it was affecting me for a long period of time. Australian fan here. Yes, here we go. I would love to understand the Sunday afternoon broadcast maps better. How do they decide which parts of
2: Oregon get the Chargers and which parts get the 49ers? Oh, that is a really good question. I'm assuming it would be on the geographical location of the city and the team, but that is a really good question. That's a technical question right there. It
4: really is. And thank <laughs> God we have technical people who can give us the answer to it. Because I'm at home sometimes. Now, before I got to NFL Network, uh-huh. you know, like I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little cheap, man. Like I don't have I don't have it like <laughs> I'm that. Cheap too. So you know That's... what I'm saying? Like, you know, the whole like you know, NFL Sunday ticket. No, I'm just going to go out. Like, I'll go hang out with my friends. You Mm -hmm. know, like, that's where I'll go consume the games. Then I start working here and I'm like, yo, I need to be able to watch. You have market. to, you have to. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm I'm gonna pony up and get this done. So red zone obviously has changed my life and mm-hmm. many fans and the whole thing. But what's sort of fascinating about this Australian fans, this is a real predicament because in a state of Oregon, you're like, well, why would they care about the chargers? Well, Justin Herbert is from Eugene, Oregon and played in oh. Oregon. And the last time I was up in Portland, all I saw was chargers jerseys, which oh. is, and they also Justin Herbert on it. So I'm like, Oh, like that's actually a really good response. So M Rob two, To your point, like the map is actually really significant. So here's the official answer here. The NFL's national broadcast partners, so we've got Fox, CBS, they assign different NFL games to different markets with some help, obviously, from the league. It is based on regional and national interest in games and teams. So local TV affiliates, they don't get any say in the final decisions, but they can make some requests if they want. Each team has a primary market, right? So that makes sense to people. That's set by the NFL. And those primary markets are required to show all road games and all home games, unless the home games are not sold out, which case they can be called blackout games locally. These are the metropolitan areas, basically, which the teams actually are. So each team also has a secondary market that must air road games of a given team and would be blacked out of home games that don't sell out. But... They don't have to air all home games. So that's a little <laughs> kind of convoluted here. But essentially, broadcast maps are published on 506 Sports, which began tracking broadcast maps in 2005. Previously, the maps were, generally speaking, a little unknown. Yeah. I, the shortest way and most concise way of saying this is if your team is in a given city, yo, you're getting those games. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary side of things, there's obviously some a little bit of a wiggle room.
2: Well, I know for me growing up, man, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, so we don't have a team. We we didn't have an NFL team. Our closest team is the Washington Commanders. They were the Redskins when I was sure, growing sure. up. So obviously we got a lot of Washington Redskins games, but it was really the entire NFC East. I was so surprised when I got older and conscious enough to kind of understand what's going on. How many Dallas Cowboy fans are in the, the state of Virginia? They're everywhere, Mike. Yeah they're every, i mean literally bro like every bar you go to on sunday there're cowboys fans everywhere and, and, and again it's 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 a tribute to, to jerry jones he's yeah. amazing at marketing and spreading the brand and those things but the nfc east teams Especially the Dallas Cowboys. Those were the teams most marketed to me. And those were the teams that I saw most growing up.
4: You know, we've talked about like we've what's the label? America's team, right? And a lot of that has to do with the Cowboys being on television yes. in the early days, right? Like and I'll make this as like a, a baseball analogy here. TNT. Mm-hmm. The Turner family obviously had the Atlanta Braves. So they had a television network. TNT, you get on regular cable. They started airing Braves games all the time. So all of a sudden, the Braves started becoming a really popular team. Sort of the same thing could be said for how it all worked out for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Kind of cool there. All right, Uh, a lot of talk of Lamar Jackson and his contract. Got to Pay that that man. Which by the way, come on Come on, man. A lot has been made. Here's the question. A lot has been made about Lamar Jackson not having an agent. Is this smart? What does an NFL agent actually do? Side note here, M-Rob and I actually have the same broadcast agent. Yes. So be careful what you say. You're here. right. You're
2: right. But we're talking about a, you handle we're that. talking an NFL football player and an agent in his you, KB. contract. Yeah. KB, you yeah. know it's all love, baby. But I mean, look, to me, when I look at my, you know, my playing days and I'm not going to say who my agent was, I look back and I can say, I'm not going to sit here and say I necessarily needed him all the way. Okay back then, because when I looked at it, the way the draft works, you're slated pretty much in a spot. There's not much wiggle room. I was a fourth round pick, right? I wasn't going to make more than the last pick of the third round. I wasn't going to make more than a quarterback who was picked close to me in the draft. And once I started to understand that, I started to say, well, what could an agent really do in this particular situation? What the agent did do for me coming in to the National Football League was help get me ready. Right, paying for workouts, getting me ready for the combine, yeah. understanding the wonderlick test, having psychologists come in and understand the questions that you were gonna—I was so prepared for the combine, Mike. Like I know I passed it with flying colors. I knew I passed it with flying colors. Right, I was that much prepared for the combine. But again, just looking back on the business part of it, your play gets you paid, and and when I look back at negotiations and you know after your rookie deal, I think the agent is important to save face, to keep people's personal feelings out of it. Because let's just be honest, a lot of the National Football League are people of color. A lot of people of color don't really trust business or understand business just based off of history and whatsoever. So when a lot of players and a lot of guys that I know and I talk to, when they hear about contracts and whatever, they just say, you know, what? my agent got it. And just put it to the agent because they don't even want to think about it. But again, once I started reading contracts and understanding what was going on, you know, I understood that I understand the language. I know what a good deal and what a bad deal isn't. Um, But again, having that buffer when you're negotiating with a team and then got to go out to practice with them and the same people that are coaching you are also in there trying to get you for a lower dollar that could get you emotional. And so, yeah, I do think an agent is important for that aspect of negotiating.
4: You ever think it slows it down? Like, is that not to call out like Lamar? And obviously, that was you know, sort of what was it was in reference to. Like, there's a part of me that says, "Ah, like if maybe had an agent, maybe this thing gets done. I have no idea, I don't have inside knowledge to it, but I'm just wondering how that affects the timing of things.
2: I don't know, we don't have any idea if that's the case either, but I will say this: um, yes. There would have been if, if Lamar had an agent, there would be somebody in his ear saying, bro, we got to get this done. You can't go out there the way that you play. Just more advice from a business standpoint. But at the end of the day, if, if, if Lamar understands who has the power in an agent and player relationship, the agent works for you. If Lamar has a number in his head from a guaranteed standpoint that he wants, whether he has an agent or not the deal won't get done until the Baltimore Ravens meet that number.
4: So I'm going to go into some detail here. And there's another question that I have for Mm -hmm. you about specific agents in general. But here's some quick facts for you. There's 913 certified agents currently listed in the NFLPA's database. That's That's important because you can't... I thought it was more
2: than that. Well, I mean, think about that. Like 913, I don't know. I feel like you got to be certified you have to be lot. approved. I think that's I thought it was more than that, quite frankly. And and honestly, the NFLPA, they do a great job. I get letters when there's these bad agents out there. They put out alerts like, yo, really? don't mess with this guy. This is his number, this is his picture, this is where his office is, all of those things because again, with the National Football League, there's so many guys that just want to get their hands on players and they're trying to protect the players in the agent business.
4: Which is really good that you need to be certified to do any deal with the league because, and not to make this like a broadcast deal, but generally speaking, you don't need to be certified, obviously, if you're going to represent on-air people, Mm -hmm. and there needs to be some of those letters that go out on some of those. You're right for another podcast. You know what I'm saying? That has nothing to do with the NFL. But not everyone's always on the up and up, and that's (laughs) just sort of important to know. So the NFL and the NFLPA specifically try to do their best to police a lot of that. So you got to be licensed by the Players Association. All agents must pass an agent exam that ensures they know the ins and the outs of the collective bargaining agreement and the salary cap so they can properly negotiate contracts against the team's salary cap cap manager. Sort of interesting because there's like a science to it. We always hear about capologists. NFL teams have it. NBA teams, the whole thing. A lot of front offices deal in those terms. The maximum, and here's what I'm talking about here, the maximum commission for NFL agents from a player's on-field earnings is 3%. That's set by the PA. The standard commission, though, is sitting at one5 to 2%. Mm-hmm. Get that number lower. Oh, yeah. Oh, come get on.
2: It, get it as low as you possibly can I know, again, for my agent at the time, I gave him 3%, but it was based off of where I got drafted. The higher I got drafted, the lower the number was, because you make oh, more okay. money, yeah, the lower yeah, the yeah. number he's so going to make his offset. money, it offsets each other. So again, that's something you got to look at.
4: All right. So the maximum commission for those who sign franchise or transition tenders, that's set at 2%, and it drops to one and a half, one percent 1% in the second and third years that a player is signed to a franchise transition tender. So it kind of is what M. Rob's talking about. You know, once the, I mean, there's, you're not negotiating, you sign a franchise yes. tag, like, yo, the number's set. It so is what it is. It does make sense that that number gets slotted in from an agent's perspective. There's a ton of agents, though, making money from a player's off-field earnings. There's no commission limit on that side. 20% standard commission rate for agents to charge for off-field earnings. No. Now, that number is actually coming from our research team. So who am I to say, like, Man, I don't know about that. 20% off of like, so if you're, if you get like a Nike or appareled 20% out the door. Hell
2: no. Right. You ain't getting it from me. Seriously. Oh no, 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 no. no, no. I like that one and a half percent number we were talking about before. Exactly. (laughs) Kind of like when you negotiate (laughs) an interest on a loan or something you got going on with the bank, same type of deal. Look, I always wanted to separate my marketing people from my agent people. I wanted them two separate companies. I want them competing. I, I want them completely separate. In actuality, and if my agent had a marketing deal that came up, I would say, well, then give it to my marketing people. That is not your job. It's not. I don't want to convolute any buckets that you may be looking at to get money from. I don't want any gray area. It's black and white. You do this, you no. do that. And I, I just think some guys get in trouble by going with some agents who will say, oh, yeah, one stop shop. I can do it all. I can do it all. I can do it all. Well, unless you're going on a weekly basis, line by line, about what you, your bills and invoices and money's coming in. You don't know exactly where that money's going. So again, I, I always charge guys and tell them, look, man, take control of your own affairs.
4: Well, I God, I wish I had the skill and talent that you did to play in the league to have to have some of these conversations and thought process. Mm-hmm. But I always say it like this. Like, when I get my taxes done, I go to a tax accountant yeah. who only does taxes. Like, I don't want you <laughs> telling me about some other product or some other investment. Like, I don't play that game.
2: If you got insurance, yeah. you're dealing with life insurance, uh-uh, <laughs> just mess <laughs> yeah. with my taxes. Yeah. That is it, man. Just
4: just make sure Uncle Sam's not coming after you. Exactly. It's the only thing. I care about. M. Uh, Rob s- touched on some of the duties of an agent. I just want to list a few because maybe okay. not everyone is necessarily thinking in those terms. You touched on the pre-draft workout, the combine, the pro day training, all of those things really important. Also helping to facilitate pre-draft workouts, support and guidance during like college all star games. So when you think about East West Shrine Bowl, that one comes to mind. I was there last year, NFL PA Bowl. I'm um,
2: going back to to Vegas. For that yeah. You got to get on that. Trip I, I'm, that. I'm trying yeah. to get on it. man. That, that actually be a lot of fun on. to be able to get on that. You know yeah. what? And, and just while you're going yeah, through this, yeah. the agent usually, if it's a good agent, has a staff like setting you up for the combine, setting you up for these, you know, visits to teams or whatever. You don't necessarily have the time to be talking to teams and setting up travel. There's a lot of logistics that go into this the agent does a great job with their staffs are kind of helping you out and supporting you in that regard.
4: Yeah. We mentioned the endorsements, uh, brand management, assisting, setting up charities and charity events, public relations, social media needs, mm-hmm. interviews with media. I can't even tell you how many times just in some of the radio work that I've done where you get a guest before the draft and you're going through their agent. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Like, hey, I need to, you need to coordinate my workouts slash my travel city to city for my interviews, help me with the psychologist mm-hmm. who can get me prepped for that interview when I go and talk to the team. Hey, some people that might know people in that front office, what are some of the questions that might be coming my way? And then, oh, by the way, on my way to the airport or to the workout, hey, I got to go and do this radio hit. You know, Absolutely. like there's a lot of that stuff. And that, people might, be, oh, that's like, how bad could that be? Yo, you try juggling all that stuff.
2: It's a lot, man. I know for me, when I was coming out, My agent had me get a private quarterback to come in and train me because, again, it was always that what what position he's going to play, those types of things. He brought in a private quarterback for me. I ended up working out with a private running back coach, a receiver coach, all of those things. So, again, when I got in front of an NFL team, I knew exactly what I was prepared to do.
4: All right. So we've talked about the agents. We told you about kickers, specifically the punters. I just bring up Justin Tucker because... That gives me an opportunity to promote something that we did last season because you can go back and check that out. But when we come back here on the NFL Explain podcast, we are going to make the NFL and football a family affair. I'll explain that coming up next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near
3: you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon.
4: All right, it's the episode that we talk about every single other episode, and it is the mailbag edition of NFL Explained. Mike M. and M. Rob with you. Fire off those questions, because by the way, this is not the only time we're going to do one of these mailbag editions. I know some, I think it was Ann who sent me a DM and was asking about defense and all that stuff. Yo, we just did a a podcast about that. So if you miss any of our podcasts, just remember though, like not like timely. We're not talking about like, hey, what happened on Sunday? Like (laughs) we're giving you some real stuff. All right, uh, let's get back to some of these questions here.
2: Did you ever, by the way, have any teammates that were, I don't know, cousins, brothers? Not that I can remember off okay. the top of my head now. You know, I played with Beast Beastmo got a lot of cousins. You know, I don't know if they real cousins or fake cousins, but he got a lot of cousins. So, yeah, I do remember him saying that's my cousin a few times. But I look, I, I no, I'm going to say no. So here's one of the questions <laughs> that we got from a listener. T.J. Watt and his brother J.J. both have a chance to be
4: Hall of Famers. What other family legacies like that have played in the NFL? Anything like off the top of your head that kind of strikes you as?
2: I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to look. The the Gronkowskis. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. The Watts, obviously. JJ, TJ, and then they got the fullback that's out there with TJ. Uh, Boo. The Sharps. Sterling used to work for us. He was actually my mentor in the Uh, broadcasting game. Sterling and uh, Shannon Sharp, who's also on television. Uh, The Matthews. Oh, yeah. The Matthews. You see, I, I'm going with all the blocking and I know. I the other gonna positions. <laughs> I'm not going to say the Mannings. Everybody yeah. knows the Manning jams. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Mannings, <laughs> yeah. Who else? I, 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 is that it? Uh-uh. Well, you got
4: a bunch, man. I mean, the Mannings it? are the obvious ones just because of the legacy, the notoriety, the commercials. You know, man, think about this, 20%. If Peyton and Eli are paying that to their agent on,
2: are you serious? Let's get back to
4: this agent conversation. Not that I want to dip into
2: 20% commission rates, (laughs) but... (laughs) But again, when you got a... I mean they they got a franchise name. They right. got a Manning name. So why even hire somebody like that? Hire your dad, keep the dollar in your yeah. family and just go go with it that way. I think that's what they how they do it. Yeah. No,
4: I am with you there. The Bosa's certainly come to oh, mind. Yeah, the Bosa. Right? Like John Bosa, uh, first round pick 1987 and then obviously Nick and Joey just tearing your it Muscles up. on muscles, yeah. man. Yeah. Muscles on muscles. You mentioned the Matthews. I didn't know like I I knew but I didn't know how deep it actually oh, ran. Oh, bro, they
2: got layers and layers of them, okay? They got a football tribe yeah. over there, right? Their whole bloodline of football players, man. And they can block, they can tackle. I mean, they're big guys, too. So
4: I just think this one's kind of cool, this layer here. Uh, Clay Matthews Sr., taken mm-hmm. in the 25th round of the nineteen. 19- 49 NFL draft. If you don't think that we're going to get a mailbag question about the draft when it was in its 25th round. Wow. 25 rounds? Yeah. Is that like actually a thing? I didn't even know that was a thing. No,
2: I knew they had a lot of rounds,
4: but I just didn't know it went to 25
2: though. All
4: right. So check this out. So that's Clay Matthews Sr. So he played defensive end 1949, right? Mm -hmm. Hall of Famer, who's Clay's... Senior son, that's Bruce Matthews, 14 time Pro Bowler.
2: What's the record for Pro Bowl? I mean, I like, don't know. 14's got to be close, though. I think Peyton has the record or something like that. Uh, it's the, funny. Actually, I actually have like that in that. front of me.
4: All right. So you got Bruce, Bruce Matthews, right? Then Clay Senior's other son, that's Clay Matthews Jr., four time Pro Bowler. You got Clay Matthews the third, who was Clay Jr.'s son,
2: six time Pro Bowler. Which one was the one that went to SC, Jr. or the third? Third, I think. <laughs> the, the last one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's who played with me. That dude was an animal to block, bro. I hated going up against him, especially when he played for the Green Bay Packers. I hated going up against Clay Matthews because, like, I was a thumper, right? Yeah. So I wanted a physical altercation with you. He didn't want that. He wanted to make the tackle in the backfield, the guy behind me, so... It was just hard blocking that guy, man.
4: Yeah. He was an animal. It's it's kind of crazy here. So, the, it, by the way, it's not the only layer that's there, right? So, mm-hmm. Jake Matthews, who's Bruce's son, he was a pro bowler. Casey Matthews, who was a linebacker, fourth-round draft pick also. And then you got Kevin Matthews, Bruce's son. He started three games in the league. Like, the wow. point is, like— I. I mean, remember when Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi got married? They were like, yo, that kid is going to be like the greatest tennis player in the history of the sport. Like, think about the lineage in the Matthews family. Oh,
2: my goodness, man. I mean, again, it's a football tribe. It's a football bloodline. I mean, we got the Howie Longs, too. We got the Long family. I forgot about the Longs. Kyle and Chris, I played against both of those guys, man. Chris was a great defensive end in the National Football League, man. And he has a great podcast, too. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> um,
4: not that we should be promoting. No, Ross we're growing. not promoting. Make it. We're, sure, we're make sure they Christmas? promote NFL Explain. Then we'll do some give back. Then. I got to see him a text. Uh, Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, I forgot about that, Right? Too. I mean, yeah. think about, you know, Ed. And what was the story when Christian got traded to the Niners? That Kyle Shanahan babysat and then yes. Kyle's favorite player growing up
2: was Ed McCaffrey. Yes, yes. Look at all the connections. Look at the universe, Yams. Yeah, oh. uh,
4: Bob and Brian Greasy, little okay. uh, father-son duo as well. And only just because I mentioned this on a highlight the other day, mm-hmm. uh, Travis Kelsey was at Jason Kelsey's Eagles game. So mm-hmm. the tight end from Kansas oh, City, yeah. just throwing that out there. Who else? The McCordys, the right? McCordys, I mean,
2: yeah. I mean, want to work like, for us. I know, I was going to say, like, <laughs> good they morning football was, was
4: good. So Devin McCordy and then Jason McCordy. The
2: Slaters, too. I want to mention Jackie yeah. Slater, Hall yeah. of Fame tackle, seven-time Pro Bowler, and Matthew Slater, who, again, one of the all-time great special team players in our league history. He's still doing it. Ten-time Pro Bowler strictly for special teams pretty cool
4: you mentioned the sharps i'll throw out the barbers tiki and ronde va how about the the pouncy name
2: talk about oh, some yeah. big boys in the mix. yeah man have, they were actually on a podcast here recently man they lost some weight too all big guys man Stop losing all that
3: weight <laughs> uh,
4: and only because we work with him every tuesday on total access that's our guy it's david carr Oh, the car. Yeah, yeah. do have a How about you pause there for a second? I'm they like, do. I, I I'm didn't like, know where you were going at oh, first. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
2: I don't know. Oh, David and Derek. Yeah, yeah. and all know, the amount that. of times. Have you caught yourself calling David Derek? I do it probably once a week. Yeah, I, I've done that before. I get <laughs> <laughs> so, he's like, Mike. There you go. No, wrong no. name. I just messed
4: that up. You can always go DC. And, and you're, you're, always, cool. <laughs> you're always in the clear. You'll always be right on that one. But the point is, so many of these family combinations, and the only other thing that I'll throw out there, the Harbaugh family from the Coaching Tree, John and Jim, obviously, the Ryan family. The you got uh, Buddy, Rob, and Rex. That's I mean, pretty just,
2: cool, man. That, and again, Buddy, Ryan, one of my all-time favorite personalities in the National Football League. I, I never played for him, yeah. obviously, but I wanted to. I always wanted to. Uh, do do you, um, you ever watch Amazing Race? Sometimes. Yes. yeah, I do actually do. was
4: uh, crazy. Uh, Rex was actually there. on the show. I did not know that. Dude, it was actually kind of funny. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you <laughs> should go I'm check, check that check. out. <laughs> that, that'll be like a little on-demand thing for you.
0: <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
3: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trepani. I always wanted to be a criminal.
1: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Am and Rob with you. All right, got another question for you. Players play on different surfaces. You got natural grass, you got turf. How do the guys actually decide what cleats they're going to use on the field?
2: a general rule of thumb that i just learned i actually haven't even really heard anybody say this this is something i learned just from my own experience the heavier you are the less spike you need so if you're a, oh, i've seen big guys just put on like shoes with very little sure. spikes at the bottom and they're so heavy that they don't slip you know what i mean they can actually walk on grass be fine The lighter you are, yeah, you want the molded cleats, the guys that are doing a bunch of cutting, your wide receivers, your defensive backs, and things like that. And for me, it's playing in a place like Chicago and Chicago Bears Stadium. Their grass is always longer. So was playing at Michigan, the grass is always longer. I always thought that they didn't cut the grass on purpose to make us slower, but that's a whole nother podcast conversation, yams. Uh, But in those longer grass situations or muddy situations, you want to wear the detached cleats where you see people having to screw the cleats on because you can make them longer, you can make them shorter. Did you always wear the same ones and then just
4: feel it or change depending on what the conditions were. Like if it was muddy and rainy, would you just wear different cleats?
2: Yeah, if it was muddy and rainy, I already knew I was going to go with the detached. If it was one of those games where it was just damp, natural grass, though, damp, natural grass. Yeah, I would go out there in my usual molded ones to feel it. And then if I felt like I was slipping, I would go put on the detached. Now, if it was rainy and it was field turf. Yeah. I never use the detach because when it's field turf, I mean, it's almost like being on a, it's on a flat surface. It's not giving as much as the natural ground would. So wearing the longer spikes makes it more slippery. Did you prefer playing on turf or grass? Oh, man, that's a, that's a hard question. Yeah. Because really, I, I, you like the synthetic turf because it's versatile and, you know, you always got your footing, so to speak. But natural grass gives and my limbs, my ligaments, so like ter- the natural grass. The field turf didn't give as much. Not as much as natural grass. So for me, the, the stadium I always liked to play yeah. in was theirs in a Cardinals stadium.
3: Oh. It's
2: a natural grass, yeah. but indoors. It's the best of both, both worlds. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You got no rain, no weather, but the ground gave with you. You know what I'm saying? So it's pretty cool.
4: I think some people might say, Mike, like, why would you think turf would give don't think AstroTurf. No, no, you know no, no. what I'm saying? Think like a field turf, yeah. like
2: the fake grass. Because so gra- it
4: really is, so- I mean, it's nice. Oh, it's nice. Know? And it
2: has all these rubber pellets that kind of, yeah. you know, shield you from falling and things like that. And the thing about the rubber pellets, Mike, if you don't have a shield oh yeah, I guess and you your get deal. ran into the ground from a tackle or whatever, dude, there's pellets everywhere. People don't realize how hard that is, man, like to see, to get the stuff out of your head, to get stuff out of your eyes. And what if you're sick? What if you got a cold that day? Like, dude. I can't call in and say I can't play today because I got a stuffy nose. The, that's a good point. <laughs> the pellets, which by the way, will come up in a second here. The pellets
4: get all over you. Oh man. Like even if you everywhere. walk on field turf, like it's, it like sticks to you, Bro, which is just okay. Weird.
2: This might be a little much, but you know what? It's just me and you here. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just me no, and you here. No. Okay. Um, Take a shower after the game, and it's pellets everywhere. Pellets yeah. coming out everywhere in the shower, <laughs> man. Everywhere you like, dude. I had my pants on the whole time. How pellets get right there? Yeah. Pellets are everywhere, Mike. If you can imagine. Okay, uh, I I don't want to. <laughs>
4: by the way, you're gonna get some DMs just about oh, no. what, about crevices and pellets. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> you that, said the word crevice. That, that might be. That might come your way. Hey, one other note, by the way, on. On, uh, I, I heard this great story, and it's related mm-hmm. to what you're saying. Uh, one of our colleagues, Steve Mariucci, had said when he was coaching with the Packers, Barry Sanders was at the time playing for the Lions. And he's like, you know what we're going to do with him? You know what we're going to do? Mm-hmm. We're going to slow him down. He said, we didn't cut the grass at Lambeau, <laughs> and we just soaked the field. And he he actually, he laughed. He's like, we kept him in check. Like, it was you know, I don't, he didn't remember the exact number, but it was like, it's a real thing. Yeah, man. it was like 50 yards or something like that. It's, it's, it's hard to move about that. It's a real yeah.
2: thing, man. Competitive advantage.
4: I did ask him, I'm like, can you do that nowadays? He's like, I don't, I don't really know. He's like, back then we could. <laughs> no one was checking. So <laughs> keep it to yourself, Moots. <laughs> hey, one other note on just because I know people really, you know, you got people who are like into shoes and like sneaker culture and the whole thing. Just some research numbers okay. on the actual cleats themselves. As M Rob made reference to, you got the molded one permanently fastened to the shoe. That's the most common on artificial turf. The detached ones are the ones that M-Rob was talking about. They come off the sole. They're usually longer spikes, and you're using those when the weather's not great, snow, when traction's a little bit more difficult. What pros wear? Actually found that 63% of starting wide receivers in the 2021 season wore Nike cleats. The most popular were the Nike Vapor Edge 360
2: Speed. Super light. Almost I knew you know. No ankle support. But I mean literally super super light. Mike, you would hold these shoes and be like, oh my goodness. Like Do you even have anything on your feet? Like, do you even feel like you have something on? They're super light. And again, this iteration of this 360 speed, because it used to be the Speed TD back when I was playing, is a little bit more durable. You can actually run as hard as you can and make a cut, and the cleat won't burst. Sometimes back in the day, the cleats used to burst.
4: Okay. Uh, Adidas, their most popular one. Do you know this one, the Adidas? At a zero? At a zero? 11.0?
2: No, I don't know okay. about that one, Um, but I'm sure my 13-year-old does. Uh, yes. There's no doubt <laughs> as he's taking a
4: selfie and going to the selfie museum. Exactly.
2: And M-Rob, you know, it's kind of
4: interesting because the NFL began tracking cleats players wear in 2019 to find some trends between cleats and lower body injuries. That's
2: pretty cool, man, that they're actually even looking at that because, again... The way that your foot hits the ground is the first part of health when you're talking about athletes.
4: Hey, M. Rob, you know, actually, since you knew all about like the Nike Vapor cleats and the whole thing, I'm going to throw something your way. Okay, It's one of the coolest things that I think the league allows to happen, because as we know, the NFL could be a little sticklers on uniform. Yeah. Right. You know where I'm going with this? Very much stickler on uniforms. Yes. My cause, my cleats. I love, first of all, they get to do cool designs and all that stuff. I mean, it is, and it's for a good cause, like depending on what the cause for the player is. Did you take part in any of that stuff?
2: Um, No, they didn't start doing it until I was on this side of it, but I did take part in it on this side, on the media side of it, because I'm an ex-player, the NFL player engagement department. Yes, they come and ask us if we want our my cause, my cleats, but I think it's awesome. It's allowing players to take ownership of their causes, allowing players to say, look, this is what means the most to me. When you're watching me out here running around, when you're watching me out here put my body on the line and things like that, I'm doing it for this cause. And I think it's pretty cool. For me, from a cleat standpoint, I used to always steal Russell's and Marshawn's cleats because they were the big money dudes, man. And they got all the sweet cleats from Nike. So I'm like, Russell, after Tuesday's practice, I need those cleats because he wore a new pair every day with the green tips. After Tuesday practice, them need to come on over to Mike Rob's locker. And then I wear him Sunday. And he's fine. He got like 30 more pairs. He's fine. He's the quarterback. He got half a billion dollar dude. We all knew he was going to get paid. And then Beast Mode. Beast Mode was steal my real shoes. Like my real shoes that I wore to work. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You drive home in cleats. I drive home in socks sometimes. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because he would take my real shoes. I would take his cleats because he would have, he would put the gold and he would pay the fees and the fines for not having the team colors on Because they would fine us if your cleat is not the team colors. He didn't care. He just had a standing check waiting for him here. You can have it. I'm wearing the cleats I want. Beast mode. They were pretty dope.
4: Too. All right. One last question, because <laughs> I don't want someone to DM me saying, why didn't you ask Amrov about this? You didn't take Russell's cleats every single day, which means if he was not wearing them twice, where do the extra ones go?
2: Yeah. So at the end of, I don't know, every three or four games, I was actually in charge of when I was playing in the middle of the locker room, this big box full of cleats yeah and we would just ek our equipment manager he would take those cleats to a local high school local oh very cool we just donate yeah. i mean literally one wear cleats literally one wear gloves one wear i mean you get them you give them away can we just fast forward
4: for a second because you do so much youth football if you find out that you could be wearing russell wilson's cleats do you actually want to wear them Well, like, you want to just, like, I want to, like, put those in, like, a nice case.
2: So it's crazy, right? Um, I donate a lot of stuff Ah. to, like, you know, Goodwill and stuff in Richmond. And, yeah, you got old Russell Wilson jerseys that I bought my kids when they were old Mike Rob jerseys. Walking around Richmond, people have no clue that those are real jerseys in a real locker room worn by real guys. Yeah, it's because I don't have enough space for them, so I give it away. (laughs) Literally, like sign ba- footballs and everything. I have so much. I give it away. I got a beast mode Hawaii jersey from one of his Pro Bowls that I accidentally gave to the Goodwill. This kid is just walking around, has no clue, no clue. that that's a beast mode game worn
4: so here, here. If you're in Richmond and there's a Goodwill near you, and you see some cool like Stop Seattle it. gear, yeah, that is it came legit. From me. Yeah, is it what, came from me. What we just just realized. <laughs> um, look, I know we got so many questions. I was so thrilled to get. Not only the words of encouragement, like, hey, I really love the podcast. Like, it's really cool. Like it People are actually cool. checking out this podcast. Continue to support us, man. Really, really do appreciate it. If we didn't get to your question, I promise you, I'm literally screenshotting and sending them all to our he team. Does. Trust this me. This went way longer than we were I'm supposed to go. I'm on the text go. chain. He texts us. I text yes, everyone. <laughs> I throw in, like, fire emojis and the <laughs> whole thing. Uh, but make sure you follow us on Twitter, at RealMikeRob, at Mike underscore Yam. And I promise, this is not the only mailbag episode we are going to Good. do. I promise before the season's over, we got at least one, five more. I I (laughs) like doing these. So keep them coming. Really do appreciate it. That's uh, the mailbag episode explained.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.